I think as a startup, one of the things we do really well is pivot and we move super quickly. So like if we make a decision, we move very, very quickly. And that's definitely a benefit throughout the past six months where legitimately every month it feels like we're reacting to something else. You're listening to Retail Remix, your inside access to candid conversations with the people shaping retail's future. Here's your host, Alicia Esposito. Hey, everyone, and welcome to this very special Retail Innovation Conference conversation. Our event's coming up soon, October 13th to 14th, and we're going to be having some candid chats with a few of our key speakers to talk about some of the trends they're seeing and, most of all, what they're going to be talking about at the event. For our first chat, we have, which I'm very excited about, Heidi Zach, who's the co-founder and CEO of Third Love. Heidi, thanks so much for taking the time out. I'm excited to be here. So let's start ground level. For those of the folks watching who may not be familiar with Third Love, why don't you give a bit of a high-level view into the business and what you guys are all about? Yes. So Third Love is a direct-to-consumer bra and underwear company, and our mission is to help women feel really comfortable and confident in their everyday lives. We really focus on high-quality product. We offer over 80 sizes, including half cups. We're the only brand in the world that has half cups. And then we have a fit finder where a woman can answer questions in under a minute, and we can make a recommendation on her size. And over 17 million women have done fit finder. So it's an amazing tool that really helps the customer. Yeah. And I think that's really such a powerful part of Third Love's value proposition. I mean, obviously, you guys have become key players in the DTC space, disruptors of the category, some in the industry have said. But I want to get into the customer value, right? So you noted the Fit Finder. I'm sure that creates a lot of data to help you create the best products, the best experiences. So let's dig into how you go about doing that just based off of the FitFinder or other data sources that really drive your business? So the FitFinder is one of the major data sources. And then in addition to that, of course, because we are 100% D2C, we can collect a lot of data about our customers, where they're visiting from, what kind of marketing channels, and really tie that together. And we do our best to create a really personalized experience. So if I know you've done FitFinder and I know your recommended size, that really allows me to email you or text with you or engage with you if you chat us in customer service in a very different way than just treating you as every other woman in the world. So really that data allows us to focus on the customer that we're trying to talk to. Yeah. And I think obviously through the product lens, that personalization is really important, especially for the category that you're in, right? Like things don't quite fit right, or this could be a bit more comfortable. So that's really powerful. But I think that communication component too is also extremely critical, especially in these times, right? Where a lot of folks are still largely relying on digital for the most part, but that need for a seamless, consistent brand experience that feels really tailored and relevant to that person. That That's really rising to the top, I think, now more than ever. It's always been important, right? It's always been a conversation point, but I think it's really coming into focus now. So let's talk about some of the new things that you've uncovered in light of the current situation. I mean, obviously, Third Love is a very digital-driven business. So with that, as you collected this data from this powerful loop, so to speak, did you discover anything new about your core customer base? Did you 
find that shoppers were coming to your properties that were completely new? I mean, I'd love to hear about how that business dynamic has changed for you during this time. Yeah. I mean, I think that now more than ever, being able to shop online is really important to the customer. So if you're going to go buy a bra and you might've gone to a store in the past and got a true fit from another person, as one usually does in in a boutique or a department store, you can't do that right now. So naturally we're seeing a benefit from women maybe potentially trying us for the first time, right? Because there's just more of a need. So that's been really wonderful. And the Fit Finders really allowed us to play into that, right? And offer that type of service that she would get in a fitting room, but do it digitally. And I think the other thing just generally is really just meeting the customer where she is. And so obviously when COVID hit, it was like rewriting every single piece of copy that existed, right? Rethinking like the entire product launches for the rest of the year, rethinking how we talk about those product launches. Um, So it's really drastically changed how we're communicating to our customer. Yeah. Some great points there. I do want to dig into that point of adapting, right? Because there were a lot of contextual components um, happening, not just professionally, but personally. I mean, we're all trying to just get a feel for what life is like day to day, Um, a lot of different dynamics at play. So how did the Third Love business have to adapt and evolve? I mean, maybe even just like at the fundamental, like, let's try and keep business going right now, right? I mean, like e performance, just day-to-day operations. I mean, what were the priorities for you? Yeah. I mean, when COVID hit in March, our business, like a lot of businesses just tanked. I mean, it went kind of off a cliff in mid-March. And so that's very, very scary, obviously for anyone. And so we really just got our leadership together and we're like, we got to make some tough calls right now, not knowing what is going to happen. And I think that was the biggest thing. We really prepared for the worst. So in my mind, what's the worst for third love? The worst for third love, and this still could happen, it hasn't yet, is that we can't send products. What if our warehouse shuts down? What if we can't fulfill any orders for two weeks or a month or more? What if we have no revenue coming in? I mean, that's a real life scenario that actually could happen. So we really modeled out like, what does that look like? And then what would we need to do as a business to make sure we could get through that? And so we made some tough calls in March and we laid off some of our team just to get really lean so that if business really continued to deteriorate, um, we would make it through that. And so that was really, really hard. But the thing that came out of that was it didn't deteriorate as badly as we thought. And then business started to pick back up. So we were fortunate to see sort of this valley and then a pickup, but it's still, it's still day to day. I think for all of us in retail, you have a bunch of things going on. I mean, of course you have the virus, you have ever-changing regulations and rules about stores, right? And then you have consumer sentiment and demand with a recession going on. So all of those coupled together makes, I mean, forecasting is impossible right now. So you do your best. And I think all we can all do is just really inform ourselves of what really bad looks like so that if that does happen, we're not scrambling. And that's really our goal at Third Love is almost like prepare for the worst and hope for the best. Yeah. I think that point around forecasting is so true. I've heard it a few times in some of these conversations that I've been having that it's impossible to kind of benchmark what to expect because nothing like this has ever happened before, right? Like we've had the recession, we've had other scenarios, but none that have like bundled together at the same time. So I think that's a really important nuance. We also have that coupled with 
the election this year. So now right. you're going in this other element. And especially as it relates to paid media, the landscape mm-hmm. is very saturated with information on the elections. And that's really starting to ramp up currently. So you see that going on as well. And that's just one other layer of a very, very interesting time right now. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm sure we'll get into, I definitely want to ask you about some of the social and community-driven impacts that you guys have responded to. But first, I do want to ask further about the agile nature. So you you noted layoffs, which is a tough reality that a lot of businesses have had to navigate, but a lot of conversations around being more agile, being more flexible. And, you know, the first time we spoke, you talked about how you guys had to get creative with content creation. So I'd love for you to share a little bit about how you did that, coordinating photo shoots and other forms of content creation because social and and digital content is, is core to the business. So what did you have to do there? Yeah, so we were fortunate in that we had a lot of content that we had captured over the past few years, right? That we kind of went back to the well and made everything fresh again. And so we have this really amazing video team in-house that really went back and recut a lot of material. And then with our copy team, really created messaging around comfort and self-care and wellness. And that really resonated. And so there was part of that. And then as we thought about content, right, especially for organic social, for TikTok, for example, which is a new channel for us, we leveraged our team. So our team volunteered to be photographed or do videos of themselves. And that really helped also us continue to keep a fresh drumbeat in addition to what we had. I think as a startup, one of the things we do really well is pivot and we move super quickly. So like if we make a decision, we move very, very quickly. And that's definitely a benefit throughout the past six months where legitimately every month it feels like we're reacting to something else. Yeah. So a quick follow-up question for you there. I'm going to go off script, but I'm curious, as you've incorporated more of that authentic storytelling, more of like the everyday, like focus on comfort and real life use cases. I mean, how has your audience responded to that? Because I know myself personally, like I'm craving that realness right now, like maybe even a bit imperfect, some would say, but like, have there been any new findings around like response to that type of content? I mean, I think it's hard to know, but I do think just even humor and lightness is working Mm -hmm. well too. Like, I just think the world is very heavy. I mean, I personally feel it. I think we all do. It's just heavy. And so we've focused on not being too, we've never been too serious, but I do think bras are serious and we've never been so lighthearted because I don't think women think about their bra as like a super lighthearted purchase. But I think we've really gone that direction because just where we're at. And I think that really resonates. Like, humor and bringing a bit of levity into the day-to-day through quotes and and memes and just funny things that we can all relate to has created a conversation for our community. Yeah. And I think that that community, that feeling of connection is so important now because we're hungry for that, right? I mean, a lot of times we're, we're just confined or limited to our homes at this point or trying to limit the time that we spend outside of our homes. So it's definitely an interesting time to figure out what really drives that connection, like makes people feel connected to the brand. So to dig a little bit deeper into that community-driven component of the brand and your marketing and engagement strategy, obviously there have been a lot of conversations now around 
the role of social issues and political issues. And I know you kind of alluded to this earlier, right? It's like, what kind of stance do we want to take? Do we want to be like funny? Is this really like a funny purchase? Is this a serious purchase? Like, how do we touch on these issues in a way that makes sense for our brand? And I think now, especially around racial issues, people are trying to figure out where, where does our brand stand in all of this and how do we respond? So how did Thurlove kind of go through this process? Because I think there's an interesting story to tell there. Yeah. I mean, I think from COVID, we moved into Black Lives Matter. And as a company that has built our community and our brand on inclusivity at its core, it's not only very important for our brand and our third love community, but our company and everyone who's here because people come to work at third love because they believe in our mission and what we're building. And the goal's really been to create a brand where all women, um, no matter shape, size, ethnicity, age, can see themselves really being part of the third love community. And so an element of that, obviously, with Black Lives Matter was figuring out how we were going to support that movement in a way that was really authentic and lasting for Third Love. So it was an interesting time because some people were suggesting we donate money to different causes. As a CEO of a company that had just done layoffs, that wasn't really an option for us. It didn't feel right to do that. And to me, donating is a wonderful thing. And of course, I did it personally, but it's also a one-time thing. You know, you donate money and then what, right? And then how do you create continued impact and engagement? And so we came up with a program called the TL Effect, which we launched. And the TL Effect is a program where we pick one woman of color, an early stage female founder of color per quarter. And we provide a grant, mentorship, operational help, help with fundraising if she's if she's trying to raise money and more. Office space, we can help with photo shoots, all kinds of things. And just really that idea came from the fact that we're really good at a lot of things at Third Love and we have a team that really wants to help. This also offered an opportunity to allow our team to engage with a founder um, and help her. And so we launched the program a month or two ago. We had 600 in 50 applicants, which was, I was expecting a wow. hundred. I was like, if we get a hundred applicants, I'll be very happy on, you know, this first group. We had 650. We picked three finalists. I actually interviewed them yesterday in person, virtually in person, and they were amazing. And so we're about to pick the finalists. And my hope is this program continues on and on and keeps going, right? Because every quarter is we pick a new founder, a new business, and we're promoting that business through Third Love social channels as well. We're really helping them build their brand awareness, hopefully get a lot more customers. And then that creates a network effect. So I'm super excited about this program. And really speaking to the entrepreneurs yesterday, it just was, it just was such a feel-good moment to hear about what they're building. It was really impressive. Yeah, that's really amazing. I love hearing the, not just the motivation or the intent behind the program, but also everything that comes after, right? I think you noted the ripple effect or the networking effect of creating these types of experiences. And I think now more than ever, that is so crucial. And I just want to call out one of the words that you use, and that's lasting. And I think when business leaders especially think about social issues, environmental, political, and 
how they should move forward. I think there's a habit, especially in the social media age, to kind of have that quick trigger, right? Like, let's just get something out there. Let's just say we did it and take some sort of position. But then I feel like people are paying more attention to the, well, what after or what next? So that, like, what can last for us as a business? I think that's that's a really important takeaway, Heidi. Yeah, absolutely. And, and to be totally candid, I think I said this to you before, is that I did feel a lot of pressure. I felt a lot of pressure when all of that was happening to like say something, to do something. And that's like your natural reaction, especially when you have social media and the pressure of that happening. And it was like, time out, hold up. Like, let's take some time. Let's figure this out. Let's do something that makes sense. And you can't snap your fingers and make that happen. It takes time. It takes thought. This is a completely unique, brand new program. And it just took a minute to get it together. And I'm so glad we did that. But you do, as the leader, feel an intense amount of pressure to react immediately. And sometimes you just can't. And you got to roll with that and be okay with it. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's really inspiring. and really excited to see how that whole program continues to shake out and evolve really exciting opportunities, I think, for a lot of entrepreneurs. But I do want to pivot right now to what folks can expect from your session at the Retail Innovation Conference. I think we kind of teased some of the topics, you know, how their love has had to adapt, how data really drives your decision-making, allows you to optimize e-commerce experiences specifically, how your fit finder is kind of an important benchmark for that. But what else can we expect from your talk? Yeah, I mean, I think a bit more about some of the changes we've made over time to our product as well. So how has the Fit Finder been sort of this lead indicator of potential changes in our customer base? So for example, one of the things we learned a few years ago was the Fit Finder started to recommend more half cup. So -hmm. that allowed us to like buy into inventory, right? And to make sure we had the inventory to support more women who were becoming half cup customers. And so I think there's just a lot of nuance to the data and how the data can really drive decision-making to your point, not just through marketing channels, but also through product development. Excellent. Yeah. Really excited for your session so we can dig deeper into some of those layers. But to close off our conversation, I have two key questions that I'm going to be asking all of our guests specifically around our content theme this year, which is the big acceleration, of course, clearly connecting to all of the trends that have accelerated during COVID. So we'd love your take, Heidi, on which trend you think will have the most significant impact on retail and maybe even the third love business moving forward, which has really accelerated to the top? I mean, to me, it's pretty obvious. I think this step change in e-commerce and online shopping is something that retail we've been talking about since 2000 or late 90s, right? This idea that the world's going to shift online, right? And there was this idea even then, 20 years ago, that e-commerce would be 50% of sales in 10 years. And like that never played out. E-commerce, even pre-COVID, was actually still a reasonably small percent of total, I think, just sitting from where I do. The vast majority of consumers still buy most things in a physical space, even today or up until today. And so I think this shift in, well, because of the pandemic, you have this forced hand where you're forcing the consumer to change their behavior or to try something new. So that acceleration is taking five or 10 years of probably future change and compressing it into one to two years. That is going on. Now, the flip to that is that what is it that we all deliver? So as a retailer who's selling something online, 
how does that work for the customer? Um, does he or she appreciate what we've created? Is it better than the in-store experience or is it not? This is a real like make it or break it opportunity for brands when they're having the customer come to them in a different channel to make it great and to make that behavior stick. Because if it's not great, once this is over, people will shift back to what they did before. Yeah, absolutely. And we're hearing more and more that that whole notion of loyalty, like it's more flexible than ever, meaning people are a bit more willing to change um, the brands that they're loyal to because of that accessibility, because of that experience. So that that's very much up in the air right now. But before I let you go, Heidi, a final question around innovation specifically would be remiss if I didn't ask about this. How has innovation changed within the third love business because of everything that's happening right now, as all businesses are trying to set a somewhat clear path forward, right, as far as priorities and investments go? Is innovation being defined differently or applied differently in your business that maybe will be inspiring to some of our viewers right now? Yeah, we're really focusing on innovation today that can make a more immediate impact. I think in the past, the idea of innovation was potentially things we were going to take longer to develop, whether that was technology or physical product. It might be six months or a year out. And I think today, given the landscape, like that doesn't hold as true, at least for third love. So when we think about innovation, it's really like, what can we do today to impact the next three months or maybe the next six months. And so one of the things that I've been really excited about that's a recent test kind of we've been doing has been a lot more a text with our customer, right? This one-to-one connection between me or a fit stylist and the customer and figuring out where in her journey, digital journey, does that make the most sense? Where does it make the most impact? And so doing a lot of testing around that and really what that kind of innovation does in my mind is if you think about physical retail in a store, why is it wonderful? Well, you walk in, assuming you have a great experience, you have an amazing person you're talking to. They're really telling you about the brand and product. They're probably upselling you and they're really connecting with you as an individual. And I think the real question we need to ask is, digital sellers online is how do you create that one-to-one personalized experience through a website? And so I do think through text and that one-to-one experience, you can really bring that in-store experience potentially to online. So I'm really excited about that. Oh, that's awesome. I can't wait to hear what kind of findings come out of that because I mean, everyone has their smartphone, right? And everyone is messaging in some fashion, whether it's through social media or any other channel. So that'll definitely be interesting. Heidi, this has been a fantastic conversation. I'm really excited that you're a part of the Retail Innovation Conference this year and and really appreciate you taking the time out to have this little pre-chat with me about what we can expect. Awesome. Thank you so much. And um, everyone out there, thank you so much for joining us for this candid conversation. A lot more where that came from. We'll have a few more of these chats with our speakers leading up to the event, which again is taking place virtually October 13th and 14th. If you're looking for more information, check us out at retailinnovationconference.com. Thanks again, everyone, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of Retail Remix. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. You can find us on your favorite podcast player. Until next time, keep mixing it up.